Okay, so I write my error. Okay, I, I, I prepare some, uh, I mean, you really, if, if you would like to come a little bit, I mean, whoever wants to come closer, uh, I have a couple of materials here I want to give to you instead of these uh, presentations. I mean, it really doesn't make a difference to create like a more intimate uh, environment and relationship here with, uh, with, with us. So, uh, yes, that'll be right now. I mean, this is just something I prepared uh, yesterday evening when I was like, I mean, you can also take this here. And I think I'll just sit uh, here, just take one of these chairs and and I'll start by uh, sharing my own, my own experience about, even today, I mean, what, what this meeting uh, is about. Because suddenly, I was, I was uh, driving with Jim, and then suddenly I find myself here in Fort Worth giving a speech about organized crime and uh, financial crime. And many things, many things in our lives just happen like this, no? And just accidentally, no? I mean, is it accidentally? Or how many times we find ourselves in, 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 in great situations? Uh, but this, this leads us to the question about how, how things work, no? I mean, how many times, is this, is this something that happens to us? Or is this something that we plan? The question is how things work. And to me, that question has been fundamental since I was a little child. No? I mean, I've always tried to find out how things work. And that's why I have been very interested in organized crime. Uh, I mean, for all these, all these movies about you know, these gangsters that would go to another country and they would, they would just find out how to open the, the, uh, the box and steal the diamond, it has to do with, with uh, creating the events. No? Because every time you learn how something works, you can actually reproduce it. Right? That's the only way, really, to Reduce a result, no? And you cannot only reduce it on a small scale, but when you when you when you have in your mind the ideas about uh, the working or the mechanism of anything, you can also translate to any other reality, no? And you can translate to economics, or you can translate translate to politics, or to uh, even 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 your your kitchen. No? So today, I would like I would like to speak a little bit about how I have been studying organized crime in the process in the process of which are the different components of organized crime. And how Mexico and the United States have been working together in order to tackle tackle this event. No? So for many years, I mean, having said all these things about uh, mechanisms, for many years, uh, also here in the United States, organized crime has been perceived as uh, one of the threats that the nation uh, needs to uh, needs to address. No, uh, and this phantom of fears outside the United States have been. Uh, ha have been coming up uh, during, during the history in different ways. No? I mean, for example, during the Second World War, you would have uh, the Nazis, no? and then uh, after the Second World War, you would have uh, the communists, and uh, when there was nothing really to address, you, you would have uh, extraterrestrials. No? <laughs> and, 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 and for example, all the movies, no? I mean, when you watch uh, what Hollywood was, has been doing uh, for the last 50 years, you can actually notice these little threats. No? Now everybody's talking about 2012, and you have these big, big pictures about uh, the, the Christ uh, some, some, uh, in Brazil, like, like falling down after all the exam. Yeah. But there was always this perception that something is wrong out there, no? and, and they're going to invade us somehow. No? And drugs and international crime, uh, of course, I mean, not, not in, I, mean, uh, I want to speak about 2000, uh, about 9-11 and all, all, all the perceived threat that Islam is to the country. Migrants, also Mexican migrants, have been perceived as, as, as a threat to the country, but also drugs. Uh, uh, drugs is perceived as something that is alien, and it is not actually seen uh, 
I mean, the other the other side of the of the, of the problem, which is actually what what goes on in, inside the country. I mean, the, the consumers and uh, the big demand for for these kind of substances. So I want to start the conversation by asking if you if you had seen the movie Traffic. Somebody, somebody, yes, yes, one, I saw that movie uh, when, when, it, when it came and I just found it, it was amazing because for the very first time they started to uh, see the problem of drug trafficking and that's why I, uh, in all your things, I just put three pictures. I just like pictures and uh, some emotional stuff you can, you can hold on. Uh, it was for the, for the very, very first time it was uh, recognized that uh, the consumption of drugs and international crime was something that took place, I mean, that, that it was, and the components were on one side the consumers, and on the other side the producers and the traffickers, right? So it was not only seen as something that needed just to, uh, to be tackled by reducing the, uh, the offers of drugs, but also they were taking into account that um, there was a certain responsibility for the United States to be buying these substances. So that was a break, uh, big breakthrough also because the way that the United States had been trying to uh, reduce the consumption of drugs was uh, implementing the so-called certification process, the U.S. certification process. I don't know, have you heard about what it was, the certification process? It was uh, one of the tools uh, that uh, would uh, qualify, for example, which they would put a grade to all the countries uh, in terms of if they were or not collaborating in the fight against drugs. And it was a huge program and it was, I mean, many, I mean, a huge amount of money was invested trying to uh, qualify if, uh, I mean, they had like this big, of, uh, this, uh, big list of countries like Colombia and Mexico and uh, Uruguay and, and they would say, okay, so you're collaborating, yes, okay, I certificate you, no? And I, I put you at a nine grade or an eight grade or a seven grade, no? And if you would not pass, then you would be uh, threatened or uh, threatened, uh, for example, with, with the economic uh, menaces about, uh, about uh, cutting trade, etc. So the certification process was, on the international scene, it was perceived uh, as something that was not helpful for the relationship because it was unilateral, right? And also because it didn't really prove to, to, to reduce the consumption of drugs, which was really one of the problems. Huh? And even it was, it was highly criticized because some countries like Canada, for example, they were not even in the list, no? <laughs> I mean, the United States and Canada, they have, they have a huge border, and believe me, there are some drugs coming on that they are from Canada into Mexico, and for example, there were some examples and proof from uh, big, uh, um, big, um, uh, big planes that would come from from Egypt or that would come from from, from Europe and enter into the, the United States market through the Canadian border, right? And Canada was not on the list. So, I mean, I, I decided to call. US, uh, my thesis, my, my big thesis, the US certification process or Kabuki theater. Kabuki theater or the US certification process. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the end, I mean, it happened as, as anything that does not work in, in, in the world. I mean, after some years, I mean, they just decided to stop this, this thing. And they started to implement the Medida initiative, no? I'll, I'll speak a little bit later about this, but uh, it's an institutional tool that Mexico and the United States have in order to uh, tackle the pain and cooperate in the, in the, in the war against drugs. No? So before going down a little bit uh, further into this debate, I just wanted to really uh, to, to clarify the way I see the problem of 
the, the tactics about how to do something. So that, those are the militaries. On the other side, you would have the governors, no? the ones that would have the grand strategy. The, what are we going to do? When are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? No? So, which is more like an intellectual part. So we have tactics instinctive. We have governors uh, on intellectual. And then you have the passion. All the people, like they are crazy about these ideas, or like really they are willing to give their lives for uh, making values such as uh, liberty or freedom or uh, whatever causes it is, no? And those are the ones that fool the whole thing, and then you have this situation. And this this was one of the one of the ways he would, he would interpret uh, war. No? So okay, going going back to the to the topic of today, organized crime. I see it as a as a problem that is composed by three elements. No? One is the consumers in the United States, and you, you do need to take that into account. The other one are the producers, or just the trucks that are coming into the United States. That they would come, no matter what you do in the border, uh, no matter how many borders you put, they, uh, they will find a way, and it has been proven, no? they will find a way, as long as the land there is, they will find a way to enter. No? And uh, on, on the third side, uh, you have the, the drug dealers, uh, the ones that are uh, allowing this process to happen. Okay. Also, if somebody has a question, or this is just like a very light conversation, if you want to comment on this or uh, have some ideas, <laughs> please welcome to do so. No. So, uh, the whole thing, uh, this whole process. And we're also today to speak about the economic crisis. And it gets a little bit, it's like a pendulum, right? That when the economic crisis is in between, the opposites tend to be stronger. No? So in terms of economic uncertainties, uh, there, is, there is this tendency to, uh, to see the opposites uh, more, uh, more, more on the sides. No? I mean, there's, a, there's an increase in, in or a tendency to increase the drugs of consumption. Why? Because I mean, maybe I mean people are more stressed, or people have lost their jobs, and find the uh, alternative ways of, of income. Also, the price. I mean, there is a very interesting relationship between uh, the more you penalize, or the more the, the more difficult it gets, uh, or or the more uh, the harder the consequences to bring these drugs to United States, the expensive, the more expensive uh, the, 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 the price of the drugs becoming uh, on the streets. No? So, okay. Now I will I will let you know a little bit more about uh, a couple of things and, and a couple of uh, uh, elements that belong to this whole uh, strategy and, and process about uh, organized crime, no? And which are the factors that in the last years I have seen that increase increasing a lot. Uh, we have seen, already seen that the drugs, uh, the drug consumption. I, I, I want to point this out. Whenever whenever you have a substance introduced into your body. Uh, it's something that really becomes. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, there, there are no morals, for example, in between, because once you have a substance in your body, it really becomes something that you need, right? And it doesn't matter if you're Catholic, if you're Jewish, if you're. It's very hard once you have a, once you have a, an addiction to get rid of it, right? So it's not. It's not really. Um, I don't want to introduce any moral judgments about good or bad. No, I mean, whatever. When you have a. Person or teenagers, or especially people at earlier age, you know, that start consuming drugs, it's very, very, very hard to get to get away from it. So this is something that really uh, needs to take into account when addressing the, the fight against drugs, no? because I believe there is a huge necessity to 
focus on the on the side of prevention and uh, treatment for people that have already this this thing. You know, as I said, I mean it, it is not by stopping uh, or putting people into jail that that that, that uh, you can address the thing. You know? uh, Mexico has really really shown a, a great willingness to uh, to finish the, the the things with the drugs because uh, it on I mean it has been a like a disease for the whole institutional system. There, there are also no morals, morals involved, but once, uh, once the trucks uh, start to cross, I mean, to go through Mexico, the problem started in the in the 80s, and when uh, the U.S. government also decided to close completely Florida, that the, the Florida Bay, usually the, the truck drivers from Latin America to Colombia, they would just take the things from, from their countries to Miami, for example, or just to the to that, to that piece, and then distribute them among the United States. During the 1980s, the United States militarized the whole, the whole region. So what, what happened really? That it happened that instead of entering through Florida and Miami, the drugs started to enter through Mexico. And the problem is not only me as a, as a Mexican, it's not only having Mexico a place where the borders cross, it will for the drugs cross, but also that when they cross, uh, consumption also in Mexico started to increase. No? And this is normal when when there is the availability, they even, even the drugs dealers and they, they serve. I mean, not, not not the whole thing would be, would be solved, but they would also, for example, distribute among the, the children in the in the schools or, or the local people there. No, also some drug dealers would themselves become addicted to it. No, so it's like a disease that started to spread. The other problem about having drugs go, uh, going through your country is that the institutions, the the the, the, the policemen. Uh, they get uh, corrupted, no? and this is something that you cannot do to avoid. No, I mean a Mexican policeman, they, he makes like seven hundred dollars a month, maybe dollars, seven hundred dollars or six hundred dollars, no? to pay for his family and his and his and his and his I mean, I mean, you're a drug dealer, and uh, I mean, you, you get paid five thousand dollars just to look for three minutes, and the other way uh, when the drugs are coming. Uh, so there's no really force. I mean, even or. Even if you're very committed with your country or your, your values or whatever, it's very, very, very hard to tackle this. And the other thing is that when you do it, if you really want to stop doing that, uh, and you do not agree with the drug cost, what do they do? They kill you, no? or they kill your daughter, or your son, or whatever. No? So we're talking here about the problem of institutions get drained and corrupted by, by having that. So Mexico is, is not real that we really like that. No? I mean, we're, we, and also President Calderon has been doing a serious effort in order to tackle things with, with, with drugs. I want to share with you, when I was doing my dissertation, I tried to interview as many people as I could, and I found out also that there is a drug museum in Mexico. The Museum of Drugs, I also included in your things that you might want to take out uh, after, after this and after lunch, maybe to read. And it's very interesting because, well, I love museums, Jim, you know that, no? <laughs> uh, they have like the, the gun of the Chapo Guzman, or they have some doors uh, that uh, belong to the drug dealers, uh, and I mean they're done in, in, in precious woods, and they have the marijuana, uh, marijuana is the woods. And this this museum belongs to the military, and it's really a proof that the, the Mexican government is trying to uh, face the problem uh, in the best way they can. No? They have all also invested huge amount of uh, of, of money uh, of resources, uh, but but again uh, there are many there are other 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 elements that, that uh, 
I want to share with you that makes this, this uh, war really difficult and has been, has caused our country or all the countries that have to have millions of dollars in lives, no? The other, uh, the other uh, thing that I found out in the last years here is the presence of guns in the United States and uh, the fact that in Mexico we do not, because we're culture, we do not allow to have guns. I mean, it's not legal uh, to have them. I mean, or you need a special permit. And, and here in the, in the United States, because of the differences in cultures and because the, the people here, uh, there is this freedom of uh, information and freedom of liberties, and you have also the right uh, to defend yourself. I mean, you were supposed, I mean, you were allowed to have the drugs, no? So we found out that in the border between Mexico and the United States, there are between 7,000 and 10,000 gun shops, right? So, I mean, why the border? Okay, hello, no? I mean, where do you think the Mexican drug dogs get their, their stuff? No? And uh, the other problem is that the United States cannot really stop from having these gun shops because it would, it would I mean, again, uh, counter, uh, I mean, it would be against the, the, the principles of the United States, right? It's <laughs> unconstitutional, of course, no? But at the same time, I mean, if, if the Mexican government is trying to cooperate against the reduction of crime in Mexico, and then you have these guys that just cross the border and get some guns and go down there, so it, it really becomes like, 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 like really, uh, I mean, very hard to, to tackle, no? Another thing that, uh, that I found out uh, my first year here as Council of Mexico, I was in charge of protection efforts. I was doing, I mean, if there's a Mexican that needed something, or for example, if somebody's in jail, uh, I would then go to the committee to, to, to James and interview them because they have the right to be assisted by the consular officials. And it was, it was a fascinating experience. I mean, for one year I was visiting all the jails and I can, I can uh, let you know stories about or, or tell you about places. I know all Waxahachie, Nacogdoches, Texarkana, Amarillo, Lubbock. <laughs> I've been to all, all these places around. So visiting the jails and interviewing the, the Mexicans that have, that have been recently uh, taken into custody. Yes. Uh, what would you say are the uh, percentage of people who are innocent and people who are not proven guilty, but clearly so? Well, it, it's, it's really hard to tell this, no? Uh, because there are many things uh, that, many imbalances uh, between between Mexico and Mexico that also are reflected in the genetic systems. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have an, an, an exact answer to that. But what I do know is that the problem, of, the problem of having two economies of such a difference, uh, different dimensions, uh, produce like weird things in, in, in things like like jails. Let me explain a little bit further. For example, in the, in the town in Texas, there are more jails than in, in the whole country of Mexico. Right? Yeah. And uh, many of the Mexicans that that are working here, there are also cultural differences that that you. Uh, that you, I mean, you get to get in prison, for example. I, I had a case of a student from SMU. He was 19, and he slept with his 17-year-old uh, girlfriend. And the mother of the girlfriend didn't really like that. And then he, uh, he was accused, and he was put into jail. Huh? And in Mexico, really, I mean, if you're 19, you sleep, you sleep with your 17-year-old girlfriend. I mean, at least you marry her. Uh, you have to marry her if <laughs> 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 the father really finds, finds out. But that's something that wouldn't be seen, or, or the, the, the first times I was here in Dallas, and a policeman would stop me because I was feeling, no, for example. And then for me, I was, I was about to get out of the car, no, because in Mexico, you, you, the police guy stopped you and you get out of the car. It's just a big pain, maybe. No? <laughs> and that was like, no, no, wow, no. 
Uh, another, another difference that I have found that is typical for the, I mean, if, uh, some Mexicans, they drive to the grocery store and they leave the child in the car and they go and buy milk and they come back. I mean, this is something that, I mean, they, they take your children away, no? Also, I mean, if you, if you give a slap to the child, I mean, people in Mexico, I mean, they are, they are on the extremes, of course, no? But things that are, are, are perceived as normal or probable, they're not here. Yes? How, how many Mexicans are in jail in Texas, and how many of those are drug or, or violent crimes? Violent crimes? Uh, how many? How many are in, in jail? We uh, we do not have a, a real uh, real number of that. I can I, I mean I can find out a bit out. But the thing is that there are there are much more than in Mexico, and and the difference in crimes. Many of, I mean most of them are because of drugs. No, but how many, you don't know how many Mexican citizens are in jail? Exactly. No, I don't have another no. I, I do know that most of the crimes are because of drugs. Uh, I mean, like like dealers, and also because of the, the the drug lords they use a lot of these little guys, you know, that that mm. say, I mean, they were caught with uh, one gram of marijuana or cocaine, and then he's put in in jail, and then they can be more freely doing their stuff, you know, their business. And that that makes sense for them, no? And usually the big ones are outside and jail, and it's full of them. The problem that, that, that I have seen is that many, many of these guys, they are found with uh, 200 grams of marijuana uh, or cocaine and then they are put in jails and they serve like for one year, two years, and after that they, they, they go back to Mexico. No? But after two years being uh, living in a, in a community of rapists and uh, all this, they learn a couple of tricks. No? And when they go back to Mexico because they get deported after that, they are not really becoming university professors. No? <laughs> <laughs> So they, they know about the contacts, I mean, they, they have the contacts, and that, that is really, as a country, it's not something that is, is, is really helping us. But that brings up, I wanted to go back to your earlier yes. thoughts of the, the Americans that desire the drugs, yes. and, and the discussion that comes up occasionally of legalizing yes. um, marijuana, or certainly, you know, uh, soft uh, drugs. Yes, yes, soft drugs. Um, but and, and I tend to agree with that. However, you can't legalize cocaine. Exactly. Um, so, you know, there, there has to be another solution because, uh, although, it, do you think that legalizing marijuana would have any positive effect on the other drugs? Exactly. I don't think so. And I, I mentioned that in the, in, in the first place. I mean, one of the uh, solutions for, for, for say, eliminating organized crime is, of course, to legalize the whole thing, no? To just make it legal and then they, instead of being hidden, they need to uh, have companies. And tax it heavily. And all that, no? I believe because of the values uh, of the United States, the countries, I mean, and also, be, I mean, it, it would be never, I mean, in political terms, mm -hmm. and also also a practical solution. I mean, I don't see cocaine being sold in... in, in, in yeah, in, no, I don't see cocaine. But, but marijuana, I, I, I can see that. I, and, and, if it makes sense that it might have an effect on the other drugs as well, where where it might, you know. People say yes. I mean, people say that oh, marijuana is the door to the, the, the heart. So, no, like no, once you marijuana is not considered addictive, but heroin and, and cocaine are highly addictive and yes. totally different drugs. And marijuana is not really what's causing the violence on the border. But they do say that it's like that, that marijuana is the door for the, for the, for the, for the heart of the drugs. No? That once you start being interested because I have thought of this or known that because the United States has been successful in Florida, 
that created worse problems on the border. I yes, exactly. Yes, and this was something. This was called the pinball uh, effect. That I mean, wherever if you just uh, cover something, the effect comes over because the demand is there, and they are asking for it. And, and there is a big incentive in terms of money for for providing drugs. Yeah, well, I think you close that, but the, also the trade between U.S. and Mexico over the last 10, 15 years, 20 years has increased dramatically. It's exactly. easier to get. Oh, there's so much yes. transit across the border. Especially with the free trade agreements now, that you have yeah. big uh, trucks that there are like thousands of them crossing the border. I mean, you can okay. check. You, you can check every every you know? Well, about the guns, I, you know, I, I believe what you said here about the gun shops. I was talking to someone, an American, said that there's an awful lot of guns that are coming into Mexico from the south, from Central America. Can you comment on that? Oh, really? I really? You know that? No, I thought uh, the reproduction of guns are here, no? But uh, Central America? Really? Is the border with Belize, Mexico still have the gold price? Was it fast? Um, I've never been there, but uh, not as militarized in the past. You're talking about, you know? Yeah? Yeah, you have a lot of illegal migrants coming into Mexico. Well, yeah, but as far as my as is my understanding, it is not a I mean, that's why we have the problem, huh? also that many people from Latin America they just cross the border, and 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 the both of the ones that are also try to cross the border later, like on a, on a higher state. Huh? Yes. Can you tell us if all the border towns are experiencing violence, like we hear about? Well, there is a there is a big difference also of the of the different border towns. I mean, Juarez is not definitely Brownsville or the Paso or Eagle Pass. So there are there are differences in the in the local situation in Mexico. I mean, the local government. And uh, as far as as is my understanding, there it, it it's very targeted. It's like places like so Juarez, for example, that there is a big problem. But all the rest are. I mean, through through Eagle Pass or through places uh, like Brownsville, uh, the the it will be like that. Just I don't know. Where are you from, San Juan? <laughs> no, my church goes there a lot. Do they? And they take busloads down there for um, a pilgrimage because there's a, a certain shrine there in San Juan. Yes. And. I used to go there a couple of times a year with my mom. Okay. Because although she was born here, she was also kind of sick and would go down to Mexico to the border for her drug run. <laughs> her own drug run. She bought her prescriptions down there, three months worth and come back. You know. But now it's like people are hesitant about going to the border. I personally need my fix, my Mexico fix, yes. about once or twice a year. <laughs> you go there and then you have Yeah, you cross the border and you feel it. <laughs> well, there is a lot of, uh, I mean, the media also has been involved in, in many, in, in this whole perception about uh, what is taking place in Mexico. I mean, the media all the time, I mean, they, it is understandable that, I mean, they, they like to present uh, things bad outside for different reasons, no? And this has not been helpful. And the perception of, of Mexico also, I mean, taking also, also into account things like swine flu or the, or the crime. I mean, also because it's easier to blame, and, and they, at least it's the way we see it, no? because it's easier, easier to blame the others or also. I mean, if you really get statistics about how many people die in the United States because of crime and how many people die in Mexico, if you make a comparison per capita. Uh, or just in traffic. 
on just the traffic, it's like, there, there are more people dying because of now that comes to the United States for capital energy. Tell us about the whole Merida project. Okay, I'll tell you a little bit about the, 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 far, the hard parts with the, with the Merida initiative. So what is it exactly? It's a security cooperation between the United States and the government of Mexico and the countries of Central America with the aim of combating the threats of drug trafficking, transnational crime, and money laundering. So what I really find fascinating about the Merida initiative is that it's, it's an institutional framework in which Mexico and the United States can collaborate, okay? Uh, U.S. law enforcement officials estimate that at, uh, more or less, I mean, from 12 to 15 billion dollars per, per year flows from the United States to the Mexican traffickers, and that is just in cash and doesn't include all the money sent by wire transfers. So we're talking about something that, I mean, governments, I mean, they don't have the really power. I mean, how do you, how, how, how do you manage to 12 to 15 billion per year, no, in terms of, of the money, just, just in cash, no? There are other government agencies, including the government accountability, the GEO, or, uh, the government accountability office and the National Drug Intelligence Center. They estimate that Mexico's cartels earn upwards of 23 billion in illicit drug purchase from the United States. And we're talking this on a yearly basis, no? U.S. State Department officials are aware that Mexican President Calderon's willingness to work with the United States is unprecedented on issues of security, Crime and drugs, I mean, exactly what I was saying, you know, the commitment of the Mexican government to build, to address the situation. So, the United States Congress passed legislation in late June 2008 to provide Mexico with 400 million and Central American countries with 65 million this year for the Merida Initiative. Okay? The initiative was announced in October 2007 and sent into law in June 2008. Uh, and then we do, I mean, we like to sign these agreements, and during the fifth summit of the Americas in April 2009, the leaders of uh, several Caribbean nations stated to a group of United States congressmen that they have, have a, a desire also to join the Merida Initiative, as a crackdown in Mexico could push drug traffickers' operations into their island nations. So the Merida Initiative belongs to these international agreements. I mean, it's a way that Mexico tried to defend themselves, no? Like, okay, how? What is the language that I will be going to be speaking with the other countries? So I need like institutions or like I, I need like a, like agreements, meetings. Yes. What What is the Mexican government's biggest frustration with the United States dealing with the drug problem? Is it our lack of progress on diminishing the demand? Is it the availability of guns? What What frustrates the Mexican government most with us? The big frustration before I mean when the U.S. certification was taking place was that uh, they were not taking into account the uh, consumption, right? That, right, they, right? that it was a shared responsibility. That was the biggest frustration. But today, I mean, since the Meridian initiative started, and they are also giving $400 million a year in order to, you know, train policemen, and there is an exchange of information because how you can uh, train your armed forces in order to just share information and share experiences not about how, what has been working. So I mean, I mean that's I mean we're pretty happy and pretty happy to receive that kind of training and information. But again, I mean the, the, the thing is that as long as the, the the urge for these substances is there, I mean you can train your policemen as much as you want or as you can. You know? So I don't see a big frustration on that. And uh, President Calderon and uh, former George Bush and now with Obama, I think they're happy with it. With, with, with it. Somebody was there. I think yes. Well, we realize that. Penal system and punishment does not work. Yes. And um, in Mexico, do you have treatment? I mean, 
we recognize that, of course, we, we are, are demanding that supply. Um, and, of course, that sets up the addiction. And yet we do at least have facilities here in the United States for chemical dependency and addiction. And knowing that that at least helps in this amazing you know, problem through education and through treatment. Yes. But uh, what about Mexico? Is, is that accepted? Is there a lot of focus on treatment and education? I mean, as, as any other uh, publicly funded uh, program, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're dealing with, with, uh, with things like basic things like, like, like education and uh, bringing people to learn things, right? So there, there are some problems. There are, of course, there, are, there, there, there is a willingness, no? but this is also something that really costs the, the government or the state a lot of money, right? But yes, I mean, there are the problems, and we, I mean, we're, we're working on that. Uh, we also recognize that, and there's a, there's another thing I wanted to I wanted to share with you. In the last years, I think there has been a misunderstanding about many concepts, such as diversity, for example, or such as things that are allowed and things that are not allowed. Uh, for example, I have seen this in, in in my country in the last in the last 20 years. No, there was a lot of control, for example, for the media. Uh, during many years, you were not supposed to, or you were not able to publish anything against the government. And the way that the government had controlled it was that they would have the monopoly of the, of the paper. So if you were a newspaper and you would say something bad about about the Mexican government, you would just stop receiving a uh, paper. Huh? In, the, in the 1990s, uh, there was a Mexican newspaper from the Monterrey that went down to Mexico City and opened a new newspaper. It's called the, the Newspaper Reforma. And what they did was that they stopped buying the paper to the government, to Pizza, was the name of the company, but they started to buy uh, the paper directly to Canada. So the government lost its control about about the media, and they started to publish whatever they want. No? But I'm telling you this because we passed from a situation in which, in which everything was controlled to a situation in, in, in which everything was allowed. Right? And the media, uh, it's like a pendulum, no? I mean, I, at the beginning of the speech, I was speaking about this, uh, this thing about like, going to the extremes. No? The media started to say anything they wanted about the president, anything uh, they wanted about uh, the way the, the government spends the resources, and what is allowed and what is not allowed. <coughs> no? there, were, there was this idea about uh, democracy and about, uh, again, I, I'm speaking about diversity, for example, in Mexico. The idea that everybody is different and we all have the right to recognize different people, right? Got understood. Uh, got, for example, there was there was a guy in in a state that, that mentioned that he was not allowed to to kiss him, to kiss on the on the on the, on the streets, no? But he was he was speaking because there were some guys that were really having like a very very big, almost half naked in in, in the streets, and then he said, okay, he's not allowed to kiss on the streets, no? And this was interpreted as something anarchic, something like fascist, no? And we have the other side of the pendulum, in which they, in Mexico, in down to Mexico, they said, okay, everybody is allowed to kiss, and then you have like eight thousand people in downtown, and you could kiss, you know, everything with everyone, and no matter if it was blonde, red, guy, uh, woman, I mean, whatever, no. So that's that's not the point. I, I, I'm just speaking about 
uh, recognizing for a certain moment in Mexico also started to, uh, the, the consumption of drugs started to be perceived as something normal, right? And this is something that I believe uh, because of the necessity of retaking the values and really understanding how much harm it does for your, for your body, the consumption of drugs, uh, there has been a misunderstanding about what is right or what is allowed or what is useful and what is not. Okay? Does this make sense? Answer the question a little bit about the treatment. So yes, there is treatment, but of course it's a public program, and it, it, there, we're talking about the needs of, of money, funds, resources. We, we, we do want to do this, but again, the differences in the economies uh, between Mexico and the United States. I mean, it doesn't make sense that somebody in Mexico, a day they earn like four dollars for eight hours of work, right? And here, let's say to, to make five seventy-five or six for one hour. So the differences to have economies with su such big differences produce effects on, on different levels, no? Yeah, I mean, we have those drug lords who are making billions, so how can we uh, take that and apply it to again solve the problem with treatment and education and using that part of the strategy? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, other, the question is how you make these drug lords uh, investors <laughs> into the, into the <laughs> educational system, no? There's an, uh, another very interesting, because the whole thing is moving. There's we a very to interesting... Send, we need to send you the IRS down to Mexico. The interesting thing is that also the drug laws, I mean, they have shifted in the, in the 70s or, or 60s, 70s from the guys that were very ignorant, you know, these big guys with their insignias, uneducated people that were very natural or they were able to... And they became the, the drug laws. In the, in the last years, we have the skills Program. Some people that went to universities, to private universities, even in, in the United States or Europe, uh, they go back. So, and they're starting to work as private corporations, no? With CEOs and with. <laughs> yes. Um, isn't your judicial system pretty much in lockdown from just sheer intimidation of uh, the drug gangs who uh, shoot and kill judges or their families, yes. or justices, and I mean. There's such intimidation from the threat of, you know, not just getting killed, but decapitation has been going on. And yes. And it's pretty, pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah, and this is something we uh, we have to face every day, and also the price uh, is something that uh, that uh, likes to to point out, and, uh, and uh, also the, and that's what we have this perception about Mexico being like a completely wild state, and then even people who speak about a, a, a failed state, no? I mean, which in, in, uh, after having the case of swine flu and the way it was tackled, I mean, we were able to prove that we're not a failed state, no? Because immediately everything was put into place to to be working, right? But yeah, the perception uh, and also it's it's pretty wild, no? I mean, to have the the, the head of someone just uh, appears in a in a corner of the street, like right? a little more than perception. <laughs> it's more than perception. No, no, no. But I mean, also the media, that all the time, and But there is an element of brutality, yes. As there is also here in the United States with many things. It's not the worst. Well, that's a good question. Right. Five years from now, where are we going to be? Well, I, I, my personal understanding, uh, and I might, my personal, my personal thing is that something has to do with 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 this values uh, system, no? Really to differentiate or really to understand that diversity is not about having permit to do whatever you want, as it, as it has been understood, but just that there are some things that are useful and some things that are not useful. 
nothing to do with morals, huh? I mean, I'm not here on moralistic as usual, no do this and that, huh? But could you could you compare it to the '60s here in the United States yeah. with the uh, free love, the drug culture yeah. that was accepted for a period of time, that is now, you know, obviously it, it's it shifted. Uh, I mean, I mean, it, it's it's not the free love, but it's the, the access to drugs because yes. you know because yeah, uh, it's okay to be different, and drugs just as different as as opposed to you know premarital sex was okay because it's just being different. I mean, is that a fair comparison to where it's just going to take time to kind of go through? Um, but where is that taking place? Is it the United States or Mexico? Well, Mexico, I think. Yeah, I, 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 I think he's suggesting that because of the uh, more open media and the discussions in Mexico about it's okay to be different, that like it was okay to, to be different in the 60s here. You know, I, I, but I don't understand what you mean by different because the drugs are being used in the United States. Yeah, I, I regardless of whether you're different or not. Mm-hmm. But one of the questions I had, and I just skimmed this 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 article, Calderon has been different from every all his predecessors in being uh, you know, really very aggressive in firing all the police and then saying, all right, now we have new police and bringing in the military and so forth and. There's been some citations of human rights violations by the police, by, by the soldiers, by the army. Would, would the average Mexican, if you can say such a thing, or Mexican, if you took a poll in Mexico right now, are, are the Mexicans in favor of what Calderon has done? I think so, yes. Even with some of the human rights violations and so forth. Yes, yes, no problem. They do understand that. They have also been, uh, I mean, it's a, it, it, I mean, most of them, I mean, there's a, there's a huge increase of people from Mexico coming to the United States because of uh, security concerns, right? And also because, I mean, kidnapping, for example, has been something that is it's, it's like a, very common. I mean, I mean, you do not get kidnapped for $2 million, and you can also get kidnapped for 2000 no? <laughs> or even less, no? Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, my perception, and according to the latest polls I've been seeing, I mean, there has been a perception that the Calderon is really taking heart for, uh, to address the situation, and they understand that that uh, security issues are a very uh, difficult thing to, thing to do. And it has been different also depending on the city. I mean, it, it is not the same thing going on in Monterrey and there was going in Guadalajara or Mexico City. For example, in Guadalajara, I was speaking with some friends of mine, and they have these private policemen that they would, for example, just if, if somebody gets kidnapped and they find, they find the kidnapper, they, they pay the private policeman to kill them. And that's, and that's, that's it, no? The government cannot kill someone just like that, no? Because I mean, it's unconstitutional. <laughs> but if I have the money and I just go with a with, with a policeman and I pay the money, so the the, the crime in Baraja has been tremendously reduced. <laughs> but that's not drug related. Um, well, organized crime, kidnaps, not not yeah, not really drug related. In Monterrey, you have the well. In 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 Tijuana, you have the, the militaries. In Monterrey, also you have that. So it depends from, from, from side to side. The problem with drugs, and I, I, come, back, I come back to what I was saying, is I think a misunderstanding of what is right and what is wrong. I mean, I mean you take the case of, I mean, I grew up in, in, in a Mexico that uh, we only had one toothpaste uh, tooth, uh, to choose from. It was Colgate, and it was in this uh, aluminum uh, bag, you know, like, like this. And I would love to go to the downtown Mexico City and to, to the, 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 the tube, you know? And when 
because the liquid where all the things came from from Europe, you know, and then you could buy the shiny toothpaste from Denmark or the or the, the great things from. But there was a blockage, an economic blockage between Mexico and the United States. Where did you grow up? Mexico City, Mexico City. But I'm telling you this because uh, with the free trade agreement, right, and for example, you wouldn't see these very big people in, in working in Mexico, like, like, like really fat, you know, from. And after the 80s, that all the fast food chains entered the country, I'm not saying that this is something bad or good, I mean, this is just something that's happening, you know? And uh, you, you start to see people like this uh, walking on the streets, you know? Also, the way people would dress, for example, we had uh, this Spanish tradition of dressing, you know, that like, like that would suit. Walmart uh, made that now, everybody is, you have the baggy pants and, uh, and shirts. I mean, I don't, I don't really want to appear as a, <laughs> as a guy that is uh, trying to go, but things have changed a little bit. In, speaking about, about drugs, there is a perception that everything is allowed and you can do, and, and it's cool to have some marijuana. I mean, now things have changed a little bit, no? But th there was a perception that you can, uh, I mean, I, I got a little bit uh, surprised when I go down to Mexico and I saw this uh, big wall and there were like eight half-naked guys and it says women's club, no? This is something that never happened in Mexico when I grew up, no? And I'm not afraid of uh, 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 girls, I mean, I grew up watching the movies of Pasolini or Khodorovsky, so that's fine for me, no? The thing is that as a society, they are misunderstanding the point that you can, I mean, is it useful to have a, a place where you have eight naked guys dancing in front of women? Is it, is it useful for a society in terms of and uh, making them realize what is good for them, or also for the economy, etc. Uh, I, I think it's not useful, no? Again, nothing to do with morals. So, it was perceived that drug consumption was something useful or cool, or... So, I think that the best thing is to make realize how much, how much uh, harm it makes, and, uh, and to have as much education as possible. Uh, when you realize all the uh, destruction that takes place, and how fast it also goes, because drugs is just about uh, three, four years, no? That, that you are up in the sky and then, then that's it, no? The thing to me that seems to make it so difficult is that when you look at the amount of money that the drug leaders can make, yes. mm -hmm. compared, and, and they don't, they're, they're not at risk. Mm -hmm. It's all in cash and it's tax free. Mm -hmm. It's all in cash and it's tax free. Exactly. Yeah. It's like what you're seeing in Afghanistan. Yeah. yeah. How do you replace that economy? And, and in, uh, yes, and in this museum, for example, of, of drugs, I mean, it's fascinating to see all the ways that uh, drug and dealers have been able to introduce substances, even in schools, for example, and this is really scary. I mean, they would have like these calcomanias, uh, 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 stickers, that they would sell with, with the image of Mickey Mouse or uh, Goofy, wherever, and they would, uh, there was a, the, the, the woman selling these stickers uh, outside the, the door of the, of the schools, and the children, they would like, uh, they need to uh, lick, lick the sticker in order to be able to do that. They would put cocaine in that, in that sticker. So that the children would find, like, uh, like keep buying stickers on. So this is something that's happening in Mexico. So there are thousands of ways to do this. Also here in Dallas, I mean, we have a kit of cheese, you know, you know the, the cheese trust, no? That it's easy to, to find them in school. I mean, we all agree that this is not something that, that hurts society, you know? The case is in SME, also the students are dying. Or so, yeah, going back to the point. Well, you certainly brought up a lot of problems for us to consider. I don't know if you brought solutions, but, uh, <laughs> you know, why don't we all, if there's, there's some food left, just visit informally, and thank you very much.
Thank you. Thank you.